The Fontenelle Final Bell Podcast is presented by Fontenelle Hybrids. The solutions you need, the relationships you trust. 40. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Ken Beagle joins us, Director of Risk Consulting Services with Russell Consulting Group and, of course, CHS Hedging. What a great way, Kent, to finish out a week of trade with a lot of exciting news happening in the overnight. Maybe some apprehensions in other areas as well, but we've got to dive into this wheat market because it really has been on fire since the overnight trade. Yeah, well, we had a really good day today and course we've had a good few weeks um just based on uh you know the idea that world production is slipping um we kind of got derailed a little bit uh last friday on the usda report we saw uh, a couple of areas end up with some higher yield estimates from the usda than we thought and that included the ukraine and russia uh, but the news overnight uh, was from Russia, and it was that the U.S. or the Russian government, excuse me, was calling a meeting of Russian exporters uh, to discuss um, uh, the current export program. And the trade leapt to the conclusion that uh, the Russian government may move to institute some export restrictions at some point in the future. Uh, possibly at an export limit of maybe 30 million tons is what the rumor was. And with that, um, that would have the uh, the very strong likelihood that we would then see more exports here out of the U.S. Well, you talked about that that discussion that was happening in Russia, and that's obviously going to affect a lot of livestock producers and, and the wheat millers as well. Yeah, the um, the Russian government was starting to have some heartache or was starting to get some pushback from their domestic milling industry as well as their domestic livestock industry about higher wheat prices in Russia. And um, of course that spills over to the consumer uh, as well and therefore um, you know that's why the, the government is potentially stepping in uh, to try to do something to control those price increases. Well, you know, we've had the talks and the discussions and, and the, the information has been there uh, talking about the possible decrease. Now you're kind of starting to see it a little bit in black and white and some of that nervousness that's going with it. Yeah, and, you know, we we actually had been hearing that, you know, production uh, was struggling over there. Uh, don't have a lot of um, necessarily a lot of yield results as of yet, but, uh, um, you know, I've, we've just seen... Uh, that entire region from Europe all the way through the, to the Black Sea have, have its struggles this year. Um, and we've had a lot of volatility uh, in, the, in the wheat market as a result of that. But um, uh, the government moving in the direction that they appear to be moving suggests that uh, the USDA might have been wrong to increase that production estimate and that uh, the production struggles really uh, do have some merit to them. Could there be some excitement in this week ahead? We know that China Chinese officials are going to be coming to the U.S. with the hopes that maybe they're going to talk a little tariff issues? Well, it, it certainly appears that way. And, um, you know, I don't, I don't think anybody wants to be caught short going into this in case an actual agreement is signed, given the, uh, you know, the, the large discount that we're currently trading to, you know, to where we were trading before the tariffs occurred. Um, and yet, 
I think there was some skepticism uh, after yesterday's uh, big rally that maybe you know there were there were some folks I think were willing to step in and at least try to trade it uh, from the short side for a little while. There may have been a little bit of producer hedging as well um, as you approached uh, nine dollars on the November soybeans. Um, but I think next week is going to be very interesting to see what comes out of that on with the with the mid level um, negotiators uh, getting together. Uh, hopefully, we can get a deal. We you know, we really need to have a deal uh, in place sooner rather than later. Um, now, there was a late news story uh, that um, suggested that that the talks next week are actually going to be in advance of a meeting between President Trump and uh, Premier Xi uh, sometime in November. And I have to tell you that if uh, if the tariffs stay on until November, that is not a good thing. Uh, for U.S. soybean exporters because uh, in order for us to be able to ship the kind of quantities that we uh, need to ship, we would like to ship to China uh, over the short window that we have for Brazilian new crop harvest. Uh, November uh, actually is, you know, a couple months too late to get that process started. Well, is there, I mean, is there concerns? I mean, I know that they do talk about this taking a long time to get resolved. So for a producer trying to, to plan on marketing their new crop, for example, and looking in ahead to, to next year's planting season, what are some things that you're wanting them to kind of keep in mind? Should this take longer than November? Well, I, you know, there's the, the first thing is, is that, you know, the ultimate result of this is just very unknown at this point in time. I mean, it could get solved next week. It may not get solved till November. It might not get solved at all. Okay, so um, that that makes planning extraordinarily difficult. Uh, that's the first thing. We are talking with producers about um, looking at allocating some space to soybeans here this fall. Um, normally, we have a very large soybean program on right at harvest. Uh, the marketplace is looking for bean bushels. The, the farmers normally are very quick uh, and willing to sell bean bushels at harvest and devote their storage to corn. Um, this year, without an agreement and with basis levels extraordinarily wide throughout the United States, um, the marketplace is encouraging growers to take a look at storing beans and maybe selling some corn off the combine. And, you know, we generally... Re- uh, look to have our producers do what the market's telling them to do and so in some provisions to do that well, on so, the longer term yeah. well, that's okay we'll catch up more on this when we come back in just a moment ken beetle joins us it is a fontanelle final bell on the rural radio network Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. Ken Beadle joins us, Director of Risk Consulting Services with the Russell Consulting Group and CHS Hedging out of one of my favorite cities, St. Paul, Minnesota. I apologize, Ken. We had to quickly go to uh, to commercial break, so we didn't get to finish up your, your thought process as we talked about not only the short-term but the long-term marketing plans with all these this tariff volatility that's out there. Yeah, the, the implications of a long-term tariff on U.S. soybeans is kind of twofold. You know, clearly it, it will it will weigh on soybean prices longer, which 
sort of will impact maybe corn acreage next spring relative to bean acreage. That's that, and and I know that that makes people nervous about 2019 corn, but we see the corn balance sheet continuing to tighten, and we actually think we're going to need 93 million acres to keep the balance sheet level. Um, but the other implication is is that. Uh, this fall and, and then certainly well into the future if this tariff isn't resolved, um, it's going to encourage additional Brazilian bean acres. And that sounds like a long-term problem. I would call that an intermediate-term problem because I do think that with world economic growth and world population growth, it still is only a matter of time before some of that additional uh, Brazilian Cerrado ultimately needs to be uh, farmed and um, you know, we've seen a, a trend in that direction for a long time anyway, so it probably shouldn't be a big surprise or, or maybe even as big a concern as some people want to make it. Is the is the markets ready for an early harvest? Uh, we've heard so much talk, especially in this neck of the woods, that we're going to see combines rolling two to three weeks ahead of schedule. On corn, yes. Um, corn is going to be coming off very quickly. Uh, I just spent uh, some time in Illinois, uh, northern Illinois of all places, where I saw an enormous amount of corn uh, that was nearly mature, um, stalks that were brown, ears that were pointed straight down to the ground. Um, more of that than I would have ever guessed. It's That's not universal, but uh, the crop is moving along to maturity very rapidly. And I do think that that has some implications. Certainly that's more bushels on the marketplace um, sooner than normal, and that could be construed as a bearish thing. Uh, however, it also might uh, might mean that uh, test weights are going to be lighter. It, it might, quite frankly, mean that we just aren't going to have the production that uh, the USDA thought that we were going to have and that our ear weights might actually need to come down some on that next uh, modeling that they do in the September report. Any other surprises or things that we need to kind of think about when it comes to the grain complex before we jump over to the livestock? Well, uh, just that, you know, the underlying fundamentals, uh, in our opinion, for both corn and wheat are very supportive. Um, we think that we're going to have a fair amount of volatility into the uh, winter and, and next spring. Uh, and, you know, the soybeans, of course, are, are going to be trading these Chinese headlines. Uh, and are going to remain volatile, um, but probably have more upside than downside if we were are able to get the tariff issue solved. All right, over to the livestock side, this, these hog markets. As I talked to a pork producer last night, it's great to be able to talk about some positive things that are happening in this hog industry right now. Well, we've certainly had um, a great six days of trade. You know, we had a wonderful outside reversal last Friday. Uh, we've um, added to that with some excellent follow-through this week. Uh, that's been driven by, uh, you know, kind of news on two fronts. First of all, uh, you know, the obvious one being the, the potential to get some of this Chinese tariff situation solved. Um, that, that could open up some additional exports back into China. Um, on the trade front as well, the news has been reasonably good in terms of what we keep hearing in, uh, with the negotiations with Mexico, uh, and that needs to take place uh, for our pork markets to be able to turn around and rally. 
Uh, and then finally, back to China, uh, we've been hearing more um, issues around disease pressures uh, of, of one sort or another. Um, and that may essentially put the Chinese in a position where they um, need this negotiation to go well because they, they may want to be um, supplementing some of their uh, uh, domestic production with U.S. pork. And that's uh, definitely got the uh, the eyes of the traders, and that's why we were able to get these markets reversed higher this week. Is the cattle market kind of lacking some support at this point? The, I think the cattle market has support, uh, but that support is down underneath uh, where we're currently trading in that 104 to $106 area. Uh, every time we've managed to get a nearby futures contract down into that into that price range, we've been uh, uh, rebounding out of there very quickly. What's the best way, Kent, for folks to reach out to you? Well, we're at 800-328-6530 or at... um, That's the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network.